Y'all ready for the word, church? Right. Let's pray and let's thank him for what he's about to do. Father, we do. We, we thank you for what you're about to do at this appointed time with the people that you brought here for this appointed time to hear a word of hope, a, a message of grace. Lord, the good news, Father, we thank you that in all things, Jesus would be magnified right here this morning. God, our hope is in Christ. A hope, El peace, a confident, our confident expectation of good is in Christ. We thank you, Father, that this morning people would hear that. They would walk out of here with hope. They would walk out of here in victory. They would walk out of here seeing their issues, their problems from a victorious standpoint. God bless your people with your word this morning. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Yeah, the real story behind that thing, right? First of all, <laughs> it says nowhere in scripture that it was an apple. You guys know that? It could have been a passion fruit. It could have been whatever. But uh, the, the, the what people usually say is that it was an apple. And um, my walk-up song this morning was supposed to be once bitten, twice shy. But I, uh, I forgot. And that's probably because the Lord wanted me to forget that. Amen? <laughs> anyway. Uh, we're going to hear a little bit about the real story behind this thing this morning. I hope you guys are blessed. Uh, know you will be blessed because it's the word of God. Amen. You look on the back of your uh, bulletin there and you'll see that we go through a lot, a lot, a lot of scripture. And that's because we believe here at this church that scripture is the thing that speaks. That's the truth, right? Uh, I could give you three points and give you three verses and, uh, and make it all about what I think those verses mean. But I'd rather let Bible interpret Bible. So that's what we're going to do here as we always do. All right. Genesis chapter two, verse 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper, a helper comparable to him, comparable to him. And what we were telling about in the youth is you just automatically assume the next verse is talking about Eve. Right. But uh, I'm going to show you that they had a little trial and error action going on here because it says out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast <laughs> of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was his name. That This is before the fall, amen? amen? So Adam, with his mouth, he spoke authority. He had authority with his mouth before the fall. He, With his mouth, whatever he spoke came with authority. And I want to tell you now that because of what Christ did, we also have authority. We also can speak life. We can speak death. We have that power right now. Amen? amen. All right, so... You would think that after God said it's not good for man to be alone, let's find something comparable. They went straight to the animals first. Did I ever catch that? <laughs> I didn't catch it until this week. I'm like, so Eve wasn't the first choice. It was. She was not. Right. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him because a cow cannot do what a woman can do. And listen, don't send me an email saying, hey, you, 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 you talking about a cow and women in the same sentence. What you trying to say, right? Because listen, that, I'm not saying that. Do you understand what I'm saying? I will not read those emails. <laughs> and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, which some say is why we can't understand women because we were sleeping when they were created. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, right? 
and he brought her to the man. We know this story, right? And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woe man, right? Because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they, and they were both naked, and the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed, right? We know that nakedness in the Bible is a picture of shame, guilt, right? But here, they were not ashamed. They were not. They didn't have that guilty feeling. The next chapter they do, right? But here, they're literally covered with the glory of God, right? And the word in the Hebrew for, for glory of God is like, a, is like a sphere of glory around them, right, all over them. So it's pretty cool how God created man to be. But what I want to show you is even in this creation story, that God had a deeper story. He had a, he had, like, on his heart was redemption, always. Right. Even even the creation story. He also had a redemption story going on that sometimes we miss in this in this chapter. So let me show you what it says in Ephesians chapter five. Right. Paul was deep. Peter's like, man, that cat talks about stuff. Sometimes I don't even get it. Right. So how, how many of y'all feel that way sometimes? You're like, man, when you're reading Paul, you're like, what is he talking about? Right. Because it's deep. But there's a reason why God chose Paul, because he knew the law better than just about anybody. And he knew that if he was going to get somebody that knew the law really well, he was going to give them the grace message and they'd see the difference. Right. They'd see the difference. So Paul says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one. Listen. <laughs> if you a man. And you're still living at home, you got to go. <laughs> you got to go. Especially if you're married. Leave the house. I'm just going to give you some advice. If you don't leave, she'll leave. Amen? And don't be going into your house, and, and not just the house part, but if you go and you're living with your wife in your own place, and you say, well, that's not my, how my mama does it. <laughs> you hear my wife laugh first out loud like that? <laughs> Look, because I said that. I'm like, that, that's not how my mom cooks it. Right? Don't say that. Leave. <laughs> Leave that house, that, that mindset. Amen? That's enough of that. Let's get back to this. All right. <laughs> Look at this. So that's the verse we just read in, in, in Genesis 2. Paul's quoting it. Amen? And then he says this. This is a great mystery. It's a great mystery. So, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. So whenever Paul says mystery, that means there's something there. There's something there in that verse in Genesis 2. And Paul's saying, hey, that verse is about Jesus in the church. The Bible says that Jesus is the second Adam, the better Adam. The bride of the church, Eve, is the bride of Christ is the church. Amen? So there's something deeper there. Look at the word mystery. It's mysterion, right? That's the, the I like to say it like that because it sounds French. Mysterion. Do they do this when they talk? <laughs> right. Generally mysterious. It, it, it's all the words we think it is, man. But when it talks about, look at this, of God, the secret counsels which govern God in dealing with the righteous, which are hidden from ungodly and wicked men, but plain to the godly. Plain to the godly. In other words, a mystery, when Paul talks about mystery, the word there literally means something that was hidden in the Old Testament, but is now revealed where Paul is. Like it's a mystery, but now it's revealed to Paul, right? And he's speaking about it. You'll see what this ungodly 
uh, hidden from the ungodly means in just a minute, right? It's not what you think, I promise, because we think, well, sinners. <laughs> Are we not all sinners, right? If that was the case, it would be hidden from us, so that can't be it, right? Sometimes we just got to put our thinking cap on. All right, look at this. Revelation 7, all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Do you guys understand what that means? That means that Jesus, the, the plan of redemption was long before the foundation of the world was spoken. That God knew. Some people say that God knew. Why didn't God just stop Adam and Eve? He, God doesn't want robots. God doesn't need robots. He had angels that would do anything he said. He wanted us to get to a place where we could love him, that we could see him as a, as a father. And that's why he created the garden and put man in it. Man didn't have to create the garden. Man didn't have to work in the garden. All they had to do was tend to the garden. It was already created for him. Literally, listen, God put him in the finished work. God put man in the finished work. Guess what, church? That's where we are today. God put us in the finished work. It wasn't us hanging on the cross saying it is finished. It was Jesus on the cross who said it is finished. He was representing us. So God put us in the finished work. We don't have to work for our healing. We don't have to work for our forgiveness. It's already done. All we got to do is say thank you, just like Adam. Whoa, this place is great. Thank you. By the way, can I get a chick? Right? And God said, look, it's not well for man to be alone. Bam. There she was. Right? He woke up to that. He woke up to a woman. Genesis chapter 3. <laughs> Back to the beginnings. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat from every tree of the garden? Did God say that? Did God say you can't eat from every tree of the garden? Nope. He did not. There was only one tree they couldn't eat from, right? All right. Uh, and the woman said to the serpent, you may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, or we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Did God say you couldn't touch it? No, no man, that could have went up there and felt it and rubbed it and all that all day long. All day long. By the way, how many trees were in the midst of the garden? Two. This one, the tree of life, or the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but there was also the tree of life, right? Now, remember the redemption story from the beginning. There's two trees in the garden, two trees. One is the tree of life. That's Jesus. Jesus said, I am the, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the law. The law tells you what's good and what's evil. You keep the law, you're good. Go ahead, Miss Kathy, play that funky music. Is that your song from Bobby? Like when Bobby calls you, is that the song that comes on? <laughs> Don't tell him I pointed him out in church. <laughs> Whoo. All right. Uh, so there's two trees in the garden, tree of life. Jesus is there and the law is still there, right? How many of you guys know the whole battle has always been about those two things? The law, Jesus. The free gift, the gift you got to work for. Amen. All right, uh, and the woman said to the serpent, we did that. Oh, you should not touch it. That's a lie, too. He didn't say you can't touch it. 
And by the way, there's two trees there. She doesn't mention that one. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Good and evil is the law. God knew the law before he even spoke it and wrote it on the stones. He knew it. He knew the law. But here, Adam and Eve wanted to taste that, or Eve did here in this, in this instance. By the way, Adam was there. Can't blame Eve. Adam was there, right? Uh, let me just say this. If a snake crawls up and you're sitting by a tree, just don't talk to it. <laughs> as simple as that. Most people had the sense to run. Yeah? Don't be talking to no snake. Back then, though, guys, honestly, animals spoke. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Right? He was there. He was there. He didn't do anything to stop it. He heard them talking. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Their eyes were opened. What does that mean? Were their eyes ever opened? Yeah. Spiritually speaking, their eyes were opened. And what? They knew that they were naked. The moment you dig into the law, the moment you take from the law, the moment you receive the law, your eyes are open and you see your sin. That's what it was designed to do. It was designed to point to your sin. It tells you what's good and what's evil. That's what it was always designed to do. But this is, guys, this is in Genesis 3. This is not Exodus 20, right? And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They heard, what does the sound of God sound like? Walking. Hmm? <laughs> like, <laughs> like James, you hear the big giant boom, boom, boom. That's not it. It actually means it was like the sound of wind because he moved like the Holy Spirit, right? Or he is the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Because when you look at your sin, you try to hide from God. That's what you do. That's why people don't come to church. They know that they have sin. They know that if they go, God's not going to be happy with them. Sometimes we say, we can't stop sinning, so why bother trying to be perfect? So we stop going to church. I know that happened to me. That happened to anybody else. Because you can't do it. You keep trying and trying and trying. You keep failing and failing and failing. When the whole thing is about receiving a gift of perfection that represents you. And that's not being said in a lot of places. But when people understand that they can stop trying. When people tell me that, I'm like, just rest, man. Just come here and rest. You don't have to do anything but receive. Sometimes it's harder to receive good news than it is to stop sinning. Amen? Um, so they hid themselves in the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? <laughs> right? Like God didn't know. <laughs> so he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid, afraid, afraid. Because why was he afraid? Because he was naked and he hit and I hit myself. He saw guys, you got to understand this is not him being naked. He sees his sin. He knows what he did. And immediately he tried to hide. He tried to fix it. He tried to cover himself. That's what the law does, by the way. If you keep trying to keep the law, all you're doing is covering yourself. You're trying to cover yourself when God's got something better for you. 
God's got something better always for you. But if you keep walking and you keep trying to cover yourself and fix your own sin, you'll never do it. Never do it. Nobody could ever do it. That's why Jesus came. That's the good news. So uh, he was naked. God said, who told you you were naked? Like, how do you know you're naked now? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? See, it was almost like God was protecting us from the law. He knew what it would do. He didn't want to. He wanted Adam and Eve focused on the garden that he gave them. All the beauty that they had. Everything they had was, was there. The food. They didn't have to worry about anything. They didn't have to stress for anything. It was all right there. They were protected right there. Everything was right there for them. But as soon as they got a hold of the law, the knowledge of good and evil, all of a sudden now they have guilt and they have shame. God doesn't want you to have guilt and shame. He never meant for you to have guilt and shame. He wants you to have life and life more abundantly. And we do now because that's what Jesus did for us. But here he knew. He knew what it was doing. He's like, who told you you were naked? And uh, then the man said, the woman. He blamed the woman. The one, and, and he blamed God. The woman you gave me. <laughs> How do you know when you get busted, you're going to start blaming people, right? God, don't blame me. You gave her to me. <laughs> Just let's do a quick marriage thing right here. Don't blame your wife. Accept responsibility. Amen. Listen, even if you're right. Because <laughs> sometimes my wife doesn't understand how wise I am. Like when it's obvious to y'all, she doesn't get it sometimes, man. And, and so she'll argue with me. I'll argue back with her. She'll argue back with me. And, and, and I'm like, you know, and, and it's not like God's taking my side. And, and I started to throw verses at her, like, woman. I do the King James Version. And, and, and she'll throw, I mean, we could justify our stance with verses. That, that, that's not good. That doesn't mean it's good because you can find a verse that rubber, Satan can find verses. Amen. So the best thing to do is humble yourself. Humble yourself. Even if you think you're right. Even if you think you're right. You've got to come to a place where you come together and you in spite of the differences you have, you pray over one another. And that's a hard thing to do. You know what stops that? Pride stops that. Pride. But if you can drop your pride, go to her, go to your own wife. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> anyway, back to Genesis. Um, the woman you gave me, he blamed her. I thought that was awesome. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. You shall eat dust. So now we know Satan's diet. He eats dust, right? And you know the Israelites would, would have a foot washing when they came in the door because they were walking, their feet would be dirty, their sandals would be dirty. And they would wash the dust off of their feet. That, honestly, guys, that's all Satan has. He can nibble at your feet now. That's all he can do. He can't do anything else. But you have the power to swash his head. Remember I told you? You, you step on him, and then he can't really speak. You know, I'm sorry, what would you say, Satan? And you put that foot back down on his head. And that's literally the power we have. Sometimes we forget that. Amen. 
and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her capital seed. That's Jesus. Amen. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Right. That happened on the cross. That happened on the cross. And uh, to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception in pain. You shall bring forth children. Never, ever repeat that verse when your wife is in labor. <laughs> ever. That's just that should be obvious. But if you're trying to be funny, <laughs> it ain't funny. There's a time to be funny. That's not it. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to a <laughs> don't ever say that one either. <laughs> and I will put and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. Did we just do that? We just did that. Right? Then to Adam, to Adam, listen up. He said, "Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the." Curse is the ground. Curse is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and your and you shall eat of the herb of the field. Right? Both thorns and th that means they're gonna have to stress for their for what they eat now. They are they're gonna have to stress for it. The ground is cursed. Where everything was free and flowing, now it's cursed. Now you're gonna have to eat thorns and thistles. By the way, Jesus wore a crown of thorns and thistles on his head. He redeemed us from this curse. Uh, in the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Sweat. They, by sweat, they were going to have to earn their keep now. Where everything was there before, now they're going to have to earn their keep through sweat. Okay? And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. So look at this thing right here, man. God actually saw that they tried to do it themselves, and he gave them something better. So Adam saw what God did. That was the first time Adam saw blood. The first time Adam saw blood, he saw a sacrifice. He saw a sacrifice of an animal in order to clothe them. So do you think that he shared that with his two boys? Do you think that he passed that down? Because I'm going to tell you, Abel understood it. Abel got that whole thing about the blood and sacrifice and what that means to God. Cain did not. So they had two boys. You go to the next chapter. You look at Genesis chapter 4. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the? What's wrong with that? It's cursed. He brought a cursed ground to God as an offering. He brought the works of his hands to God as an offering. What did Abel do? Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of the fat, a sacrifice. Abel understood it. Adam must have passed that story down. Abel got it. He brought a blood offering, a blood sacrifice to God, right? But, uh, oh, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Gee, I wonder why. It's cursed ground. You try to bring your best effort to God. It's cursed because you're doing it. You're trying to do it by the law. You're like, I kept this one. I kept that one. God said, if you break one, you break them all. It's the curse of the law, which, by the way, the Bible says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. It's all about redemption. All right. Uh, rejected Abel and his offering, but he did not 
respect Cain and, and his offering. Sorry. And Cain was very angry. Cain got mad. His countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? He's like, what's up, bro? Why are you mad? Why are you angry? If you do well, this is God saying this to him. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desires for you, but you should rule over it. If you do well, what is doing well? Uh, wouldn't you want to know that? God rejected his offering. He said, if you do well, what is that? Well, look at 1 John chapter 3. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Anybody want to know those two? Some of you are like, well, I have one that's... <laughs> In this, in this, in this, I want to know what this is. That the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil are manifested, right? They, they come to fruition. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. And I've heard people quote that to me before. They're like, see, you got to practice righteousness. If you don't practice righteousness, you're not of God. Practicing righteousness means you got to do the right things. You got you to keep the law in order to, to be righteous. But is it what it's saying here? Let's see. Whoever does not practice righteousness, because we got to keep it in context, amen? amen? Don't let somebody pull five words out of a verse and say, this is the truth. No, you keep it in context. Satan likes to, to, to mix scripture up. And don't let a pastor do that to you. If it's something that makes you feel guilty, shameful, like you're not doing enough, that's the old covenant. That's not for you. You don't have to receive that. It doesn't, it just, you, but, and you receive it by saying, Amen. You, you receive us if somebody says, hey, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Amen. Amen. I received that. Right. And that's the end of it. What about the next verse? Being freely justified by his grace. You, that's when you say amen. amen. All right. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Got a little carried away there. Uh, so what is does not practice righteousness, nor is he. Nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why? Why did he murder his brother? Why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. So what is evil works? What did Cain do that God said is evil works? Well, if you go back, even before he killed his brother, God did not accept him. God didn't respect his offering, right? Because I used to think that too. So when you, here's what I want you to see. When you bring the lamb to God, your works are righteous. When you have faith that Jesus did a perfect work, your works are righteous. Because the reason why Cain killed Abel is it's all about how you offer to God. It's all about what you offer to God. Cain was self-righteous. He brought his own works to God. God rejected it. Abel saw the blood, the value of the blood of the lamb, the innocent lamb, firstborn, brought that to God. God accepted it. But he will not accept your self-effort. You're bringing him cursed ground. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that you're bringing to him. But the lamb is the tree of life that you're bringing to him. Does that make sense to you guys? That's what we, it's all about what you, how you offer to God. That's why God called it, he didn't accept Cain. So look, so the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen if you do well? What is doing well now? Doing well, according to what we just read, is how you offer to God. 
When you bring Jesus to God, he calls you righteous. When you bring your own works to God, he doesn't call you righteous. He doesn't justify you because you can't be justified by the works of the law. You can only be justified by the blood of Jesus. So this whole story is about redemption. It's not about two brothers. It's about redemption. It's about Jesus bringing the right offering to God and being accepted. Cain was not accepted, right? But look at this. Even though Cain failed, this is before he killed his brother, even though he failed, check this out. Uh, if you do well, well, will you not be accepted? And if you don't do well, sin lies at the door. So even if you don't do well, guess what? Sin lies at the door. Now, when you read it like this, you think, whoa, there's sin at the door. I'm not going to open it. <laughs> right? But the word sin here in the Hebrew is a sin offering. Look, sin offering. God, God literally, God literally brought a sin offering to Cain's door. Look at that. If you don't do well, you offer me the law. You offer me your works. But guess what? There's a sin offering at your door. I brought it to you. It's near you. The word, the word is near you. It's in your mouth. If you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Amen. Brought a lamb to the brother's door, a sin offering. And, and, and that, that you should rule over it means that you can take it, you can sacrifice it, and I will accept you. Just like I did Abel. But he didn't. The very next verse says, he killed him. Listen, tree of life, Jesus, makes you love people. The tree of knowledge of good and evil, the law, fills you with anger and bitterness toward people, especially people that believe the grace message. People that are religious kill people that have the grace message with their words, with their words. Today, that's why Jesus said, hey, man, you may not have put a knife in anybody, but with your mouth, you can still kill them. Amen? Amen? That stuff just bounces off. I got the breastplate of righteousness on. I want y'all to picture the rock with those little cherries popping off of them. That's how Kelly sees it. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't mean to snap, baby. I'm sorry. I want all y'all to know I'm sorry. <laughs> You're going to be sorry. I know that. <laughs> Anybody got lunch plans after church? <laughs> all right, we're almost done. Luke 22. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw away, and he knelt down and he prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Y'all remember that in the garden? He's in another garden, church. We're talking about the old garden. Now we're in a new garden. Look, we're talking about redemption. Everything Jesus did, he had a purpose behind it. Amen? He had a purpose, a great purpose, one we can't even see half the time. But we can read it, and God will open it up to us. It's a mystery that was hidden, but now it's revealed. So we're being restored back to the original garden. Because the blood can do that, right? The blood has restoration power, right? So, so where's the first, first place Jesus bled? Was it on the cross? No, was it when he was being whipped for our healing? Nope. 
the garden. Check this out. All right. Uh, then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him and being in agony. He prayed more earnestly than his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the, the cursed ground. So now the ground's not cursed anymore. You know why? Because his blood fell on it. In another garden, we're restored back to that other garden because that's what his blood does. His blood restores us, everything that was taken from us, everything that was cursed. We have been restored. And doctors will tell you, doctors will tell you, great stress can burst capillaries in your eyes and it, blood will drip out like a tear. Do you think Jesus was under a little bit of stress here? Now, let me tell you this. I, I asked the youth this, and it just came out in the spirit, but we, we, you know the weight that your sin has on your shoulder. Can you imagine the weight of the entire world on your shoulders? I've counseled people that carried sin with them from their past, and it is a heavy burden. Can you imagine the sins of the entire world? Not just the world he was in right there, future world too, past world. All sin fell upon him. So, yeah, when he was in agony, sweat drops of blood fell to the ground. And I love that it says to the ground because you know what that means? That means the ground that was once cursed has now been redeemed. That means that wherever you go now, you walk on blessed ground. You're not on cursed ground anymore. Everywhere you go, you bring the blessing of God. You're looking for a well to dig and you're having trouble. You are walking on blessed ground. You just walk around and say, I'm on blessed ground, Lord. Amen. You walk into a restaurant. There's nobody there sometimes. But you sit down, you order with your family. All of a sudden you see 50 people in line. That's the blessed ground that you walk on. You bring the favor of God wherever you go. Everything you do is blessed because of Jesus. And you just walk around like that. That's walking around in the supernatural. That's not in the natural you'll think, look what I'm doing. In the supernatural, you're like, look what Jesus is doing through me. I just pulled something. Isn't that amazing, church? We've been restored back to the original garden. We're almost done. I love this stuff right here. Man, I could do this. Look, go back to Genesis 3, right? Then Adam, he said to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten of the, from the tree from which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles. Listen, when Jesus put that crown of thorns on, when it was put on him, he also bled there. He bled there. Even before he was whipped, even before the cross, he bled. His blood has redeeming power. What does this mean? How many of you guys have thoughts sometimes that are negative? How many of you guys have thoughts that, that do not bring life to you? Well, let me just tell you, that crown of thorns has redeemed you from those thoughts. Now, just like the high priest that had the plate on his head, right, said holy to the Lord. It was representing the thoughts. Sometimes we have bad thoughts. Well, your high priest, Jesus, is there to intervene for you. He makes your bad thoughts into holy thoughts. That's why he's your mediator. That's why you can go to him, and when you pray to him, he represents you before God. And it's not your words. He's filtering them out. He's your representation. He wore the crown of thorns. He redeemed those thoughts. Amen? When you see his blood, it's all about redemption. He's always redeeming us from things. 
But now it's perfect. When he said it is finished, he redeemed us from everything. He's not continuing to do so. It's already done. It's our, it's our role to receive it. It's our role to see it and to, and to move forward. Amen? Uh, boom. In the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For you, are, you, don't, have to, you don't have to stress anymore. You know how I know that? Well, you still got to work to eat. Let me tell you something. Jesus says, do not worry about food. Do not worry. He will take care of you. Just keep your faith in him. He will take, he'll take care of you. He always does. Amen? Amen? All right. Check this out. First Peter. This is almost it. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your fathers. Their fathers knew the law. They had all these traditions. This is how you get back to God. This is how you got to do this in order for God to bless you. That's a lie from hell. God has blessed you. God's blessed the world. They don't know who did it. God blessed them by sending Jesus. If we had to be good for Jesus to come, we'd be in trouble. God only blesses if you're obedient. How many of you guys have ever been obedient in your life to God? But are you blessed? Yes, you're blessed beyond measure. God doesn't look at He's not blessing you based on what you do. He's blessing you based on the blood of Jesus. Right? The tradition from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. That's who Jesus is, and that's the tree of life. That's, that's from the beginning. God's whole plan of redemption was in place, even before man fell. Fail. Said it like Reba. And then this is it. Then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us, right, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand, that's receiving, lest he receive and take also from, who's that, church? Jesus. Yeah, we failed. Yeah, we had to go by the law. But now we can reach out our hand and take the tree of life. We can reach out our hand and take Jesus. The tree of life is still preeminent in the garden. Still still in the midst in fact when christ died on the cross it said christ is the end of the law for righteousness to those who believe guess what christ died on the cross between two thieves who were guilty he was preeminent even if you put jesus and the law together now guess what all you see is jesus is that it i could do it This is it, I promise. This is it. This is it. This is it. And it shall come to pass. This is Joshua, right? What, Joshua's name is Yeshua. It's Jesus, right? Moses couldn't get the people across they could, into the promised land. Moses is the law. The law can't get you into the promised land. It had to be Joshua. Only Jesus can get you in the promised land. So you're seeing, you're seeing deeper than the story. Amen? You with me? Mo, the law can't get you there. Jesus can. And so here it is. Moses died. He couldn't do it, right? God said, you're not going. But even then, God allowed him to go. Amen, we know that. In the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses was there. But, but look at this. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, because that's the presence of the Lord, amen, uh, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from the upstream, and they shall stand up in a heap, right? So it was when the people went out from their camp, to cross over the Jordan with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. The, God went before the people, the presence, right? 
And as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priest who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water from the Jordan, overflows all its banks during this time, right, of harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream, they stood still, and they rose in a heap very far away, all the way back to a city of Adam. Why Adam? Jay, you love this one, don't you? Why Adam? Why, of all the cities, why would it say back to Adam? Because there's something deeper there. You know what the word Zerdon means? It means their distress. The distress of man was rolled all the way back to the beginning. When Jesus went into the promised land ahead of you guys, when he died on that cross, and he made a way for us, all of our distresses, all of our sin was rolled back all the way to Adam. All the way back to the beginning in the garden. Your past sins rolled all the way back. This stuff is not in scripture by chance. I believe this is what Paul's talking about when he says mysterion. That it's something that is hidden, but it's all about what Jesus did for us. Jesus' blood is all about redeeming us, always. It's always been about redeeming us. That's the real story. The real story is not that's where creation happened. The real story is even before creation happened, God had a plan of redemption in place. And it was for us we weren't even around then but he knew us then he knew all this that's how big he is that's how good he is that's how much he loves us that's what the world needs to hear that's what we need to hear we need to be reminded that when you see jesus in scripture like that it brings life you can't get enough of it you just can't i was talking to pace this morning right about the uh about the 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 garments of the high priest and and before you'd be like i am not reading that that is the boringest thing ever but when you see Jesus in all those representations of all those garment pieces, you're like, I can't wait to read more about it. Because there's something about Jesus that draws you in. It's called life. When you read it, you have life. Amen? Amen. That's all I got. Church, give Jesus a hand.